welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. A startling legal maneuver by CBS rivals the finales of its many successful shows from CIS to Survivor. CBS is suing its controlling shareholder, National Amusements, as CBS chairman and CEO Les Moonves tries to get control of the broadcaster from the Redstone family and prevent a merger. Heiress Sherry Redstone has been trying to combine Viacom with CBS in order to give her companies greater weight in a changing market. Joining is Matthew Shettelhelm, a media litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. Matt, this battle for control has been going on in some form or another for a long time. Will you explain the relationships between the parties and the controlling interests here? Sure, June. Yes. Yeah. So so this is all driven by the fact that CBS's controlling shareholder is a company called National Amusements, which uh, Sumner Redstone is the CEO of, and now his daughter, uh, Sherry Redstone, effectively operates it. And so as the controlling shareholder, uh, uh, National Amusements and, and Sherry Redstone um, exercises considerable clout with respect to the future of CBS and and sh- uh, Miss Redstone and, and National Amusements, as you said, has been pushing the idea of this merger with Viacom and CBS, and that's sort of what what led to uh, the actions, the, the lawsuit that was filed on Monday. So, is Moonves trying to get control away from the Redstone family? that put him in power in the first place? I, I, I think I, I, essentially, yes. So, so you know, there's a big discussion of whether this, this merger is in the, the interest of, of the company or not. But even if, if uh, Les Moonves is okay with it going forward, uh, there's a real concern about how should it go forward? And should, should National Amusements and, and, and Sherry Redstone continue to uh, control the makeup of the board? Or should it, should it be... Uh, uh, independently structured, so that so that Les Moonves has more power going forward. So what you saw uh, with the with the filing of this lawsuit was was really a push by CBS and Les Moonves to limit Sherry Redstone and National Amusements control, uh, uh, potentially uh, in a pretty dramatic way. They're talking about a a board vote uh, this Thursday, which would would literally change um, uh, the National Amusements uh, voting control from 80% of the company, diluting that down to about 20%. So I think there's a real possibility that that what we're seeing right now is just the very beginning of, of an extended legal feud. Uh, and this things could quickly get overtaken by events. But you're exactly right. This is all about a, a battle for control, both at CBS now and maybe at the future of CBS. So, Matt, how likely is it that a court will allow um, the voting shares of Redstone's company to be diluted from seven from excuse me seventy nine percent to seventeen percent? So that's that's a great question, and 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 the interesting thing is it's not even really teed up in the court case yet. So right now, all the parties are fighting about is sort of a temporary restraining order. CBS is asking the court to hit pause and don't let don't let national amusements come in and fire the whole board uh, and, and, and change things. Lurking in the background is that issue you raised that can can CBS 
just change the the control that national amusements can can exercise. We're not there yet. That's going. That's a you know, you know. CBS says that there's a clause in the charter that allows them to make this change. That I think would need to be litigated. It's 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 fairly unusual for something like that to be in there. And I you know it's 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 really too early to say uh, wh- whether whether a court would would rule either way on that. I do think the court at this stage is, is sort of going to be reluctant in, in a hearing that's set for tomorrow to really get too involved at this point. This seems like uh, uh, the parties sort of uh, the the kind of situation where a court is likely to stare down the parties and say you know work this out. You don't need me getting involved. I think we'll see that first, but longer term, you have the potential for for an extended fight on exactly that issue. Can they really dilute uh, national amusements control here? Sherry Redstone sits on the boards of both CBS and Viacom. Doesn't she have enough power in on CBS's board to to change the way this is going? Yeah, I mean, so you you would think so, uh, but 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 she she actually doesn't because they, they she they've developed a special committee to 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 decide uh, what are the next steps, and and so. In, in theory, she could come along, and if the court doesn't uh, uh, bar her from firing the board, uh, um, she, she she could she could go ahead and do that if the court doesn't step in. So, in about a minute, is this a gamble by Moonves? Could it lead to his? Being ousted from the company, I, it definitely is a possibility. I think I think this is a sign that you know this is sort of one of the last cards you want to play to to elevate this to such a level to to make take the fight so public. But I think I suspect that that Moonves had had reached a, the conclusion that that there weren't many other options, and and so the best course now would be to to elevate this and to. Uh, to propose this vote on Thursday, this very dramatic vote to limit national amusements control and and to to make this sort of preemptive court filing to try to uh, dissuade uh, Redstone and national amusements from from stopping it. It is a fascinating. Uh, this should actually be a, a, a show on TV, actually, of, of made-for-TV movie. Thanks so much, Matt. That's Matthew Schettenhelm, media analyst media litigation analyst for Bloomberg Intelligence. And you can get more of his analysis at BIGO on the Bloomberg Terminal. In a landmark decision on Monday, the Supreme Court struck down the federal law that banned sports gambling, ruling it was unconstitutional. That frees states to legalize betting on sports and starts a race to attract billions of dollars in bets. It also begins a new era for sports leagues. Steve Pelyuka is co-owner of the Boston Celtics and co-chairman of Bain Capital. My understanding is the ruling is actually focused on states' rights more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. they have gambling all over the rest of the, the, the nations, and as you know, in the U.K., soccer gambling. So I think it'll play out as a state's rights ruling. For nearly 26 years, Nevada has been the only state with legal sports betting. Now it's expected the number of states to allow legal gambling might reach double digits by the end of this year. Joining me is Nicholas Cassiello, chair of the gaming practice group at Fox Rothschild. Nick, New Jersey fought to overturn this law for seven years, and that state is ready. More than a dozen other states have introduced sports gambling bills. What's the likely scenario? How will it play out? Well, let's start with New Jersey, for example. Um, New Jersey is in a very unusual uh, position because 
when it first challenged the the passed by the the, the the statute prohibiting sports betting, um, it did so directly head on. It enacted legislation authorizing sports betting. New Jersey lost before the district court, lost before the Court of Appeals. Supreme Court denied cert. Then New Jersey took a different approach. Um, it, it eliminated all regulation of sports betting with respect to casinos and racetracks and argued to the Supreme Court that therefore they were not violating uh, PASPA. And that's the, the case that the court just decided. So New Jersey right now does not regulate sports betting for casinos and uh, racetracks. Um, that, of course, is going to have to change, is likely to change, because um, it, New Jersey does not want it unregulated. And if it's unregulated, it's not taxed. So other states will have to pass laws. Is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, depends upon the state. Some states um, will have to also uh, amend their constitution. So some states have constitutions that only permit forms of gambling that have been authorized by a referendum. So, for example, well, actually, New Jersey falls into that category. Um, New Jersey's constitution prohibits gambling unless it has been authorized by a public referendum. Maryland falls into that category. In Maryland, um, it takes a three-fifth vote of both houses of the legislature and then a public referendum. Then there are states where the Constitution does not um, generally prohibit gambling. Those states um, can simply enact legislation. Those states will be able to act a little bit quicker than those states that require constitutional amendments, which can take two or three years. The four major professional leagues in the U.S. and the NCAA spent years fighting with New Jersey, fighting against New Jersey's challenge to the federal ban. But recently, the NBA and the MLB have been lobbying states to get a percentage of the amount wagered. Are they likely to get that? Uh, again, it's going to depend on the state. I think uh, New Jersey's position is clear um, in that while a bill was introduced on May 7th in New Jersey that would regulate uh, sports betting at casinos and racetracks, um, and it includes what is called an integrity fee that would be paid to the leagues, um, supposedly to help the leagues um, enforce uh, rules to prevent um, you know, any untoward activities uh, by players or gamblers. Uh, but uh, some of the leaders of the legislature have already come out and said, we just spent $8.5 million fighting the leagues in court for years. We're not going to pay them an integrity fee. Um, other states have agreed in legislation to an integrity fee. Um, the NFL said Monday that it wants Congress to enact legislation on legalized sports betting, and there is a, a bill that's going to be introduced already. Is that likely to happen? Uh, I think that is, un that? well, uh, 
That's debatable. I, I think it's a, it is unlikely to happen. Um, the federal government um, does not generally regulate uh, gambling of any sort. Um, most of the federal statutes that um, make gambling a crime require that there be an underlying violation of state law. So traditionally, gambling has been left up to the states. Um, I can understand where the leagues are coming from in that they want to see that there is some sort of uniformity among the states, um, especially with respect to the standards for licensing of operators and vendors to, again, protect the integrity. Um, uh, when Internet gaming first became popular, um, some of the casino operators uh, and others supported federal legislation that would essentially establish a federal system uh, of, of regulation with certain integrity standards. The statute actually said that um, you know the federal government would regulate it, uh, but it could uh, approve regulation by different states so that you could avoid going through the federal process. That went nowhere. It, it was tried several times, and it went nowhere. Um, that may be the outcome here as well. But this is a very sensitive issue, I think, in this country. Um, sports betting, uh, you know, there's a, there's a long history here. Um, well, uh, the American know. Gaming Association estimates that Americans illegally wager about $150 billion on sports each year. So is there really going to be any real impact on the public or on the sport? Well, um, uh, impact on the public and the sport, um, hopefully, um, uh, by regulating it, legalizing it and regulating it, of course, the states will be able to um, generate tax revenues from it. Um, will legalization stop illegal gambling? Uh, I don't think so. It, will likely put a dent in it. Um, but I think you also have to keep in mind that the... Nick, we've got uh, to stop you there. Um, sure. We've come to the end of our time. That's Nicholas Casiello of Fox Rothschild. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.